0: you're listening to the cxmh podcast cxmh is a podcast at the intersection of faith and mental health
1: Hey, welcome back to the show. My name is Robert Bohr and I'm one of your hosts. And I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Dr. Holly Oxhandler. Holly, how are you doing today?
0: Hey, Robert. I'm doing great. How are you?
1: I'm good. I'm good. It's uh, finally warming up. Well, I say that it's been warm before, but maybe it's maybe now it's like the actual, you know, because Georgia kind of bounces back and forth. So
0: yeah, I know Texas does too. Yeah, it's yeah. like well, maybe we actually are getting warm weather, but
1: yeah, hard to hard to say.
0: I know, I yeah. know. It is nice seeing you know some of the flowers starting to pop up and the trees starting to bloom, and um, at least that's what we're seeing in Texas.
1: So yeah. 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 Well, I know that this will be a little bit shorter of an intro because we are both traveling this weekend, so we're kind of both getting ready for that. But where are where you ha- – it'll be – obviously, this comes out on Monday. We're recording before the weekend, so by the time people hear this, maybe you'll already be back. But, uh, but where are you going?
0: <laughs> well, I'm actually – um, we're actually, my husband and I are heading out to go pick up our kiddos. They were, um, in Houston with my in-laws for a few days. Mm. So Corey and I, um, uh, we're on spring break this week. Yeah. And so, and it's also yesterday. Um, well, when this comes out at some point, the week prior, um, <laughs> was my husband and my, our, uh, eighth, uh, wedding anniversary. Oh, congratulations. And so it was just, thank you. Thank you. Um, But yeah, so it was just nice to get a little bit of quiet. So we're just heading out to Houston to go pick up the kids and and we'll get to play with them a little bit more for this last part of spring break. But yeah. what about you? Where I didn't realize where are y'all traveling.
1: We are going to Asheville just for the weekend. It's actually the the week we're recording this is the is spring break for uh, Brooke uh, as well, since oh, she yeah. works in campus ministry. So it's spring break for them as well. So the tail end of it, we're going with some uh, best friends of ours that they're a couple. They have a, a young son, but they. Uh, run the kind of the other campus of the ministry that Brooke runs, and so uh, we're all going to Asheville just for mm-hmm. you know you know Thursday through whatever. I actually don't even know when we're coming back because I'm not the planner, but, but I assume Sunday sometime. Yes. <laughs> but and know. if
0: you'd like to learn more about planning, you can go back to our previous episode with.
1: <laughs> yeah, I need you to no. mail me one of your. Many planners that you held
0: up. Oh, man. You know what? I might be giving up on that, but that's another day. That's (laughs) another whole other conversation. That's
1: awesome. Anyways. Well, this is the last of the guest lectures from when I was out with actually Gray's when he was born. So it's actually Uh almost a year uh, Uh that it's taken. That's okay. But, you know, just timing things. So actually, tell me about it because I don't know what this episode is or anything like that. So tell me about it
0: yeah, sure. So um so for this episode, we have um Kelsey Moffat is coming on to talk a little bit about her journey into um, social work and how um, she has been looking at and viewing the integration of spirituality and social work. It's worth noting that she was actually my graduate assistant during the time in which you know she was at Baylor getting her MSW. Um, And so she got to work alongside me and a lot of the work that I was doing. And she's kind of taken off and done some of her other uh, her own work in this area, looking at spirituality in social work and particularly in social work education. And so she and I are continuing those conversations. But but it was fun to get to talk with her about about this particularly from like a student perspective and as somebody who's kind of just starting out in mental health care and is learning about, you know, how to be a good therapist and the and the ways in which spirituality might be woven into that. So, since this episode, she has taken a position. She's now working in Galveston, Texas and is doing a lot of great work. But it's just been fun kind of seeing how you know how she's kind of emerged and come across this area in yeah. her own social journey. So,
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah, so I thought it was a, it was a great conversation, it was a good chat especially for those who may be, you know, thinking about going into some kind of mental, mental health profession. Um I think this would be a good conversation for those. Um or even if you've been in this for a while, it might offer some ideas to think about this a little bit differently that that maybe you haven't already. So, Yeah. Anyways, so yeah. yeah I'm well, excited I Hope our
1: listeners enjoy this conversation. Yeah, I'm excited to listen to it as well. I I haven't edited actually before <laughs> the time that we record this, so I'm excited to listen to it too. Based on you know what you've just said.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, it was good. So that's awesome. Anyways, so yeah. I guess without further ado, yeah, enjoy this episode uh, with Kelsey Moffat. I have with me my dear friend and graduate research assistant Kelsey Moffat who studied psychology for her undergraduate degree here at Baylor University and is about to graduate on Friday with her MSW. Plus, she has already passed her licensing exam. Congratulations, Kelsey! <laughs> <Thanks you. laughs> Kelsey came to Baylor University from California six years ago to pursue her undergraduate degree. In 2016, Kelsey started her two-year journey at the Diana R. Garland School of Social Work to pursue her master's in social work. During this time, I've had the opportunity and privilege to get to know Kelsey and work alongside and mentor her as my graduate research assistant, um, specifically on research related to the ethical integration of faith into social work practice. She has shared with me that her strong intrinsic religiosity and her faith journey have helped her to recognize how faith can be utilized as a source of strength in clinical social work and that it encompasses holistic, person-centered care. I am so grateful to have walked alongside and worked alongside Kelsey, um, and just to support her in any way I can these last couple of years, and now to get to see her transition into the field as my colleague. Kelsey, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Good. I'm doing really good. I'm very thankful to be able to be in this space with you and to get to have this conversation. Oh, well, thank you. The feeling is mutual. Is there anything that I've missed in your bio? No, I think you got it. Other than, I just want to
2: say how grateful I am that for you, and I would not be where I am today, and having the opportunity to engage in this important conversation and be at this table if it wasn't for the opportunities
0: that you've given me. Aww. So, just thank you for that. <laughs> thank you, Kelsey. I really mean it. The honor. It's been. It's been such a joy to get to work with you. So, thank you. So do you mind starting off a little bit telling me, you know, just generally, you know, why social work? What, what led you to choose social work, especially with a background in psychology? Um, yeah, tell me why social work? Yeah. So I can, rem-
2: since like my young, young years in middle school, I remember taking a personality test. Mm-hmm. And at the end of that personality test, it gave you like a little statement that would define what it is that you'd want to do with your life. And mm-hmm. so my statement that I got when I was in middle school was, how can I help you? Uh-huh.
0: <laughs> Which is completely <laughs> appropriate. <Yeah. laughs> If you know me. yeah. Well, and we, we, uh, Dean Singletary and I had an episode a couple weeks ago or a few weeks back on the Enneagram. Absolutely. And you are a... Can you guess? (laughs) I am a two. Yes. Yes. It's my heartbeat. I love
2: it. Yeah. So... I mean, I knew since middle school that I just have this like love for being able to walk alongside people mm-hmm. who are in pain or hurt and get to enter into that space with them. And so going into high school, without a shadow of doubt, I knew I wanted to do psychology. So went into Baylor. I was a psychology major from freshman year all the way through senior. So I knew I wanted to do counseling, but. The question was in college was what path did I want to go down Mm -hmm. in order to pursue counseling? Mm -hmm. And so it was in my undergraduate degree that I decided to minor in poverty studies and social justice. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is a really unique Mm -hmm. minor. I think that's pretty unique to Baylor. Mm -hmm. Um, but it was within that minor that it required me to take an intro to social work class. And truthfully, I had no idea really what social work was at that Mm -hmm. point. Um, but I jumped in the class because I knew I needed to. And that's where I met, um, Dr. Johnny Jones. Yes. Um, and he has been a huge role model and huge influence for me jumping into the field of social work. And he was kind of that gatekeeper for me of being able to see what social work looks like as it manifests in a person. And he just embodied what it means to be a good social worker so well. Yeah. Um, I, and you know, I, psychology is just so beautiful and they're so, they've done so many great things, but they have a huge focus on the individual. But what's mm-hmm. very unique to social work is that there's this dual focus on both a person in their, as well as their environment right. that they're in. And so I think if we're really going to help people, we yeah. need to be able to have a good understanding and have skills to be able to attend to those, you know, meso and macro levels around the client system yeah. to really promote
0: their best well-being. Yeah, Can you explain, so use these terms meso and macro, and I know we have another term in social work that we use, micro. What What do those terms mean?
2: Yeah, so micro is that one-on-one relationship uh-huh. that you'd have with a client or a family or a couple, whoever it is that your client is mm-hmm. on that one-on-one level. Mm-hmm. Meso is working with groups, mm-hmm. um, so groups of people, mm-hmm. and then that macro level is Big picture social work, working with communities, working with social policy. Yes. It's making change at that that larger level. That makes sense. Yeah. That's good. Good. Sorry. I'm so ingrained no, in I this love, program I that I'm it. just like speaking the social work language. <laughs> that's
0: good. So that's good. We are you are competent as you graduate.
2: That's good. <laughs> yes, I'm <glad>. You are.
0: <laughs> so um okay, so you so so Dr. Jones, you were saying kind of introduce you and he embody introduce you to social work and he embody these um, characteristics of social work. Um, so tell me about, like, following that class. Like, what then brought you to want to wanna pursue this?
2: Yeah, so my junior year was, I feel like, the year that I learned so much about myself. And it was really at that point where I was wrestling with, do I want to do master's of counseling? Do I want to jump into a doctorate program Mm -hmm. and do psychology? Or do I want to do social work? Mm -hmm. And it was really through building that relationship with Dr. Jones and having him mentor me that I realized, and I I wasn't... Baylor is just so beautiful and it's such a great school but I didn't get that individual attention from that psychology department as much as I did from Dr. Jones yeah and I think it was him and his intentionality around building up relationships with his students that I was able to see oh this is just what social work is Mm -hmm. and it's one of the core values of the profession is building human relationships Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so I took that class and then I also took a couple other classes in social work while I was an undergrad. I took some graduate courses, Mm -hmm. one called loss and mourning with Dr. Harris. Uh And then a second course with Dr. Yancey called foundations of social Mm -hmm. justice. Mm -hmm. And it was at that point where I was like, okay, so it's not just Dr. Jones. It's all these social work people that just embody what it means to love people well. Mm -hmm. And to, you know, to have a specific interest around social justice and advocating for those who don't have a voice and those who are marginalized. Mm -hmm. And how do we end these systemic problems Mm -hmm. that really do exist? Um, And those were just not conversations I was getting in some of my psychology courses, but I was getting them in social work. And truly, as I was digging into my faith as a junior, Mm -hmm. and I was kind of wrestling with, okay, you know, I say that I'm a Christian and I say that I follow the Bible, but mm-hmm. in what ways can I practically live that out? Mm-hmm. And as I got to know social work, I was finding that the ways that social work practitioners are called to ethically act in their practice is really what it means to live out the Bible well.
0: Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, like that's I, so beautiful yeah. that you, you were able to kind of see... How these two just fit together so well. Yeah. That's good.
2: I mean, I look at the person of Jesus, you know, and who he was Mm -hmm. on earth. Mm -hmm. And he was someone who valued... Human relationships. He built Mm -hmm. he built relationships everywhere he went. He wasn't defined by a location. He was defined by who he went to meet, Mm -hmm. and he was so hospitable not in terms of a place, but in terms of bringing himself to that Mm -hmm. place. Mm -hmm. And just that focus on social justice and meeting people right where they were at. Mm -hmm. And those are all things that I think are Mm -hmm. so intrinsically tied to Mm -hmm. the underlying purpose of the social work profession. Yeah, and it's just so beautiful. And as I've gotten to be in this program over the past two years, I've just learned that's exactly what it is oh, that's so, so good that's definitely that. what
0: brought me to social work oh I love that that's so beautiful well I guess so so you tell me a little bit about social work can you tell me you know what I know this podcast a lot of you know Robert as much as possible loves to hear from speakers in terms of their journey and and I'd love to hear a little bit more about particularly the role of faith through your journey. Mm-hmm. And and whatever you'd like to share related to that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I
2: grew up in California, like you've mentioned. Mm -hmm. And so I come from a very religious family where Mm -hmm. faith is just part of like how we connect with one another. Mm-hmm. And so I remember going to like a huge mega church in California mm-hmm. when I was super young every single Sunday and I loved it. And I went to a small Christian school growing and up. your
0: church actually was, was saddleback. saddleback, right? Yeah. So Kay Warren was actually on this podcast really? a while back. Yeah. Oh, I so, adore Kay Warren. Yeah. <laughs> She's so I'll fantastic. have to I'll have to send you that link or, or show it. But yeah, she has an episode on this podcast too. So anyways. Yeah the yeah. Warrens are incredibly involved
2: with mental health yes. as it relates to congregations and Mm -hmm. serving people. So they're doing amazing work out in California. But yes, I am so grateful to have gotten to be a part of the Saddleback community Mm -hmm. growing up. And it was a huge part of my identity. Mm -hmm. It's where I went since I was, since I could remember to when I graduated high school. Mm -hmm. So it was a huge constant force in my life. Mm -hmm. Um, It was also the place where I met my lifelong friends. Like a lot Mm -hmm. of my close friends from high school, are still my best friends today, and I knew them from Saddleback. And so I had the opportunity to be in a really great life group Since I would think I was in eighth grade and it went all the way to my senior year of high school. And some of, a lot of those girls were in my wedding and it was just an incredibly impactful experience. And I was really, it was in high school that I was just really on fire for the Lord. Mm -hmm. Um, I was going to adult ministry on, on Sunday, Mm -hmm. high school ministry, and I was going to college ministry. Oh my gosh. During high school, my senior wow. year. So and you
0: were involved in sports in high school too, yes, right? I played soccer wow. pretty competitively. So yeah, Tracy. Yeah, I was.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> high school and college yeah. they were both really busy seasons. I don't know if they were any different. Yeah, yeah. In terms of busyness, <laughs> I like to jump into things. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I know. Yeah, <laughs> busyness is like uh, my sin. So, yes. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, I understand. Yeah, yeah, but I. It was just really in high school, and I also had the opportunity to. Serve as a life group leader for middle school girls mm. while I was a senior wow. in in high school as well, and so faith was really a big part of who I was in high school, and it was a huge reason that I decided to choose Baylor. Mm-hmm. I was actually between UCLA, USC, in California, and then uh-huh. decided what am I doing, Kelsey? Like, you're going to go to these schools that are amazing universities, Mm -hmm. but, and you would grow academically, you would grow socially, Mm -hmm. but would you really grow spiritually? Mm -hmm. And I had to sit there and wrestle with that question. And I ultimately, I wanted to become a more well-rounded person leaving college, knowing that was going to be the foundation for the rest of my life. And so really, truly, I think it was in March of my senior year, I applied to Baylor on a whim. They sent me an <gasps> oh application for free. I sent it in. I was actually on my way to get coffee with my best friend. Uh-huh. And I was like, hey, I'm sorry. I'm going to be a little late. I'm just filling out an application to Baylor. <laughs> oh. and she's like, what are you doing? <laughs> I was like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. So I sent it in and got in and ended up mm-hmm. coming here because oh. it attended. It was everything that I think UCLA and, or USC could offer, but had that faith component too. Yeah. Um, ironically, though... Um, my, I mean, my faith played a huge role in up to that point too, but mm-hmm. it was during high school that I feel like I was the, that was the part of my journey where I learned my, learned mm-hmm. life's toughest lessons. Um, as I was being built up and my faith was becoming a foundation in this infrastructure and I had great community around me, mm-hmm. it was also the time where I entered into a really unhealthy, bad relationship with somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, I, I lost a lot of who I was in terms of, like, my identity and just, like, a lot of self-esteem. Um, mm-hmm. And there was just a lot of trauma in that relationship. Mm-hmm. And so... While it while it was great to participate in those church related activities, I was also simultaneously wrestling with, okay, I'm I am who God calls me to be, but I also feel nothing. Like I don't feel that like the way that the Lord sees me and who he says I am, I don't feel that right now yeah. because of the trauma that I was going through in that relationship. Yeah. And so Luckily, I was able to seek out help my sophomore year of college to kind of reconcile those feelings and that trauma that I went through in that relationship. Mm -hmm. And it was during that time that I had a counselor that actually Mm -hmm. was trained in being able to ethically integrate my faith into the work that we did. And truthfully, it was during that time, it was such a dark season of my life that the only strength that I had left was my faith. Mm. Everything else just seemed to fall by the wayside. And I was lucky enough that I had a counselor that could see that it was a strength. And so she built my treatment around that. Yeah. Um, I will never forget. There was a time um, when I was a sophomore and I remember it was just, it was just, oh man, it was just such a bad season. Mm-hmm. And I put something on my little dresser and it was one that you build from Walmart, you know, and yeah, it had yeah. stayed together for like two or three months, which was great a for awesome. me. Yeah. And then I put something on it and then the whole thing just collapsed on the ground and I remember being on the floor and just crying Mm -hmm. and I have never felt like the presence of the Lord so strong in that moment just telling me no this is where I like I'm going to use this in some way for a greater good and I'm here for you and just this picture of like our Heavenly Father just wrapping himself around me as I was just Mm -hmm. on the floor just bawling and the ironic thing was is that Literally an hour later, my roommate brings home a friend who doesn't believe in the Lord and I'm just sitting on the bed reading my Bible because that was the Uh only thing I had. Uh And he comes in my room and we proceed to have like a two and a half hour conversation about faith. And I told him my story. And that man is a Christian now, oh, wow. and so just seeing that, like it was in like that worst season of my life, that I felt the Lord so much more. Mm-hmm. And so as I'm thinking about what it means to enter into the sacred spaces with my clients, and yeah. if they are if they are religious or they have faith. Mm-hmm how could I not use that yeah. in a way that it was used for me when I was at my lowest? Yeah. I'm sure, like, I know that the Lord loves me yeah. as much as he loves others. And so I know he's playing a huge role in their lives. Like he did during that season when I was at my lowest point. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that's a little bit about my journey. Oh my um, yeah. And it was, I, it was a storm that I passed through, but I can definitely say that I'm here today because oh. I had someone who walked with me through that I and see. loved me through that. And, now I'm here today. Oh my gosh, that's
0: so beautiful. I mm-hmm. love that. Oh, yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Of um, and I love—I mean—that analogy of the you put one more thing on the dresser and it just collapses. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think, I think many of us have gotten to that point at certain mm-hmm. stages in our lives, and you know getting to that point of like there's just nothing else to turn to I feel like there's nothing else Mm -hmm. to turn to and um and often faith is that last like Mm -hmm. I don't have it anymore in me like I don't know what else to do I don't know what else to turn to I'm you know I'm you know and at the same time in that last like getting that point often we're we may um seek out in the way that you did, where you, you opened up your Bible and started engaging and, um, you know, and reading your Bible and others may respond by, you know, wondering and wrestling and questioning like, God, where are you? Like everything is collapsing. Like where the heck are you in this moment? Mm -hmm. And, and I think that it's just such a beautiful analogy of how, you know, we, we can get to that point where there's just like, what else is there? But, yeah. but then having that therapist, that counselor who was able to hold that sacred space yeah. and and ethically integrate your yeah. faith not mm-hmm. impose mm-hmm. his or her Absolutely. beliefs not tell you what you should believe yeah. or you know have an agenda with mm-hmm. with it but just mm-hmm. be able to just hold that space yeah um is beautiful yeah. it's so beautiful
2: and i want to say that that was a good example of me going to my bible times uh- of hardship <laughs> tell you there have been seasons in my life where I have been very much so the angry like okay God you you got me here but why? Like, help. (laughs) Yeah. And, um. but then I have found, like, the assurance of looking at the Psalms and seeing that there would be chapters where David was angry with the Lord and was just being so vulnerable and so honest with how he was feeling. And then the next chapter, he's praising the Lord. Yeah. And so just having the permission to feel those really tough, big, real feelings with God and not hide them from
0: him. The messy, the the complex, the changing every, you know, few minutes sometimes. And, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. But just be able to meet God, have God meet us right
2: where we're at and yeah. knowing that he wants us to bring that realness to him. Yeah. Um, and yeah, just that there's struggles with that journey, but that's that's yeah. part of the growth. It's yeah. the growth pains
0: that come with it. Oh, my gosh. That's a great phrase for the growth pain. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. So hearing about like how all of this has kind of been woven into bits and pieces mm-hmm. of your journey. Clearly, you and I have done quite a bit of work when it comes to the area of faith and social work practice and the ethical integration. And, and it sounds like, you know, your experience, you know, may have had some influence on that, but I want to hear more about, like, from your standpoint, from where you're standing, like, Especially in your role as a social worker. I mean, you're about to graduate on Friday. Um, and you've already been licensed. So that's exciting. (laughs) Thank you. Praises. (laughs) Um, and you know, just tell me, you know, why, why do we need to be thinking about faith and social work practice? And, you know, and do you have any, you know, do you have any examples maybe of that? Maybe first tell me a little bit about why and then we can talk about the examples. Yeah. How's that? Absolutely. Well,
2: I I think you've you've kind of hit it in that it was really my personal journey that brought me to this topic of being able to have like the self-awareness of recognizing my own spiritual journey Mm -hmm. and where it's brought me. And knowing, I, I mean, really, it was that experience of going through my own healing process and having someone join me in that process mm-hmm. that made me realize, wow, like this is really important. And you know, it's amazing to me as I've jumped into the literature and I've seen how few therapists feel comfortable with this topic or mm-hmm. feel as though they were, or, or that they actually are integrating their client's faith into practice. It's very discouraging for me to see those numbers and know that there are people just like me when I was a sophomore that are seeking out therapy and they're, the clinicians are missing this huge area of
0: strength and are just right. not meeting them where they're at. Right. Um, and they may want to be, yes. but they may just not know. It may just be they don't know how to do it. Yeah. If or, you're not getting trained right, on it, how right, could you? You right. know what I mean? Especially since I think that, I mean, what are the three topics you're not supposed to talk
2: about? Right. And religion is one of them, yeah. you know, like yeah. that's, that's kind of the culture, the stigma that's around this topic. Mm-hmm. And yet I can attest to the fact that going through that process of having a clinician say, okay, Kelsey, that that's how you see yourself, but then how does the Lord see you? Mm-hmm. And constantly being pulled back to mm-hmm. the ways that faith is working in my life and the strengths that are still there, even though mm-hmm. I don't feel strong at all.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I felt, I, I just feel very called to be able to advocate for clients who are just like me to be able to receive the same type of care that I received. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and looking at my family too. If any of them were to seek out treatment, and that wasn't brought into the tr- yeah. into that sacred space of receiving therapy, yeah. they would leave after a couple sessions because they would feel as though this huge part of their life, this huge part of their journey, was being ignored. Yeah. And I think what makes therapy so effective is that it's the one place where you can show up and be completely yeah. vulnerable and feel completely seen and not feel judged, but yeah. feel completely accepted. Yeah. And so if that's not brought to the table too,
0: right?
2: I, I feel like we're missing a huge part of yeah. someone's
0: life. Yeah, I, know. I mean, and even just hear you saying like showing up and being your whole self and showing who you mm-hmm. are. I mean, I hear that. I'm like, gosh, but I, you know, I wish that that would also be true in the church, that we could yeah. also, but that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> yes. Um, <that's, laughs> um, join us next week. Yeah. <laughs> Actually, yeah. It's a- some point soon, I'm going to, I'll talk with a, a friend of mine who's, who's doing yeah. some work in that area. But, um, I, I wholeheartedly agree with you from the perspective of a social work educator. I mean, I feel this responsibility to be teaching students that, you know, it is your job to be allowing that safe, sacred space mm-hmm. for, to, for clients mm-hmm. to come in and bring their whole selves. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's, it's like, I mean, you, you know, if, if a, I don't know, it, in the same way that, you know, if a, if somebody went to a doctor and was like, you know, you know, my foot's hurting or this other part of my body's hurting or there's something that they're struggling with, but the doctor's like, well, we don't, we don't handle that. Like the medical doctor's like, we don't talk about that or we won't handle that. It's kind of the same thing where mm-hmm. it's like, you know, in, in social work and in clinical practice, specifically with social work, we really do want to look at the person within their environment, mm-hmm. their family context, their community context, their culture. And yeah. within that culture piece is their faith. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it'd be really hard to, to work with someone and ignore this very big part Mm -hmm. of who they are. Yeah. Similarly to your experience, I mean, faith was a big Mm -hmm. part of your story. If your therapist hadn't introduced that in one way, shape or form, they'd be missing a big part of who Kelsey is. Yeah. So
2: absolutely. And I think I, I I wonder how effective that treatment would have been if they hadn't been able to do that and connect to that foundational part of my core. Right.
0: Truly. Right. And I like how you're, therapist was saying, you know, what does the Lord think about this? But, but hope, but saying that after the therapist had assessed that that's what you believe in. Right. right. So like if for, you know, if you had self-identified as, you know, being Buddhist Mm -hmm. and, um, the therapist had said, what does the Lord think about you? You'd be like, well, like that's, (laughs) you know, uh, try again. Yeah. (laughs) It's a little bit of a disconnect, but yeah. but after the therapist established that that's something mm-hmm. that's important and, and this is the higher power that you believe in, then being able to Absolutely unpack that. And that yeah. took definitely the therapeutic relationship to yes. bring us to the place where she was able to yeah. make those, those
2: cognitive challenges, yeah. more or less. Mm-hmm. That took definitely time to get there. Yeah. Oh, for mm-hmm.
0: sure. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, well, could you give me an example? So through, you've been, you know, um, you've been doing some work in social work practice over the last couple yeah. of years. Can you give me an example of, you know, integrating faith into your practice as a social yeah. worker? Well, and you kind of touched on it. I, I really am such a firm believer on being mm. able to
2: do a biopsychosocial spiritual assessment. Mm. And so, and being able to look at faith within a strengths-based perspective. Mm-hmm. I did my colloquium mm-hmm. presentation last week about how do you utilize and how do you assess for faith using a strengths perspective, not pathogenizing it, but right. just being a a learner in that process and being able right. to you know be sensitive to the ways that faith can be either a positive thing in someone's life or maybe a really right. tough part of their journey right. and then asking them is that something that you want incorporated into our treatment together, or you said you mentioned this really hard spiritual struggle. Is yeah. that something that you want to be integrated into our time together? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I try to make it as much of a conversation as possible. Um, and I bring it up because I feel as though I have to recognize that this person's coming to me and they're entering into the space that I call that I work at, mm-hmm. and so they might not know that that's something they can talk about in the right. therapeutic environment. And yeah. so. I want to bring it up first so that I'm more or less giving them the permission to be able to talk about it. And then from there, you know, we go on and we we assess it and we see the role that it's playing in their lives, positive or negative, Mm -hmm. um, and then bring them into that discussion with us. Um, And once I have an idea of what faith looks like in a holistic manner, whether you're Muslim or Buddhist Mm -hmm. or you know, Catholic, whatever that is, yeah. um, being able to bring it up at different points in treatment. So I've been incredibly lucky to be trained in EMDR, mm-hmm. eye movement, desensitization, reprocessing therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and I worked at a trauma center, um, mainly helping people who had been, you know, sur- who are survivors of sexual assault. And mm-hmm. so I had a client this year who I was actually able to use, you know, her word that she used to describe the Lord, which was she used God to describe her higher power. Mm-hmm. And so one of the cognitive interweaves I used is, okay, you see yourself that way, but how does God see you? Yeah. And then she got to talk about that. And it was amazing to see mm. how her brain processed that information once the faith component was brought in. Yeah. Because now I'm not just connecting her mind and her, you know, her brain and her body, but right. I'm inserting her soul into that treatment mm. process.
0: That's
2: good. And the, and just seeing the way that her mind went after we, in, after that cognitive interweave was you know, utilized and Mm -hmm. she was starting to think about God and how he's played out in her life. Just her brain processed
0: through the trauma, just that Mm -hmm. much better. That's awesome. Yeah. It was incredibly impactful. Yeah. That is so good. And what a gift. I mean, I can't, I mean, yeah, the agency, but we're so lucky to have you this last year. I heard so many good things, um, from your field instructor, um, or, uh, task supervisor, um over the last year. So yeah, you've done good work there. So (laughs) they have done a very good job supervising me and providing great (laughs) education.
2: And it was, it was an incredible placement and I couldn't have been more lucky truly. That's
0: awesome. That's really good. And you mentioned that colloquium presentation that you did last Mm -hmm. week, which, oh my gosh, it was just so good. Mm -hmm. I'm so proud of you and all of the good, good work that you've done. So it that was so very sweet. good. <laughs> well, I wouldn't
2: have been led to this topic oh. or had been able to give a
0: presentation <laughs> if it wasn't for the
2: guidance I received from you. And I truly mean that. I mean, so much of my presentation was the infusion of the work that we got to do together mm-hmm. over the past two and a half years. And so yeah. I feel blessed that, you know, this story that I have before I entered this program and then this incredible learning that I received while I was here, that it's coming together. And mm. I'm so excited to be able to infuse that into, the clinical space that I'm brought to, wherever that is.
0: That's so, so awesome. Oh, Kelsey, that's so good. I love it. <laughs> um, well, if you'd like to connect with Kelsey Moffitt, you can email her at Kmpodley, P-O-D-L-E-Y at gmail.com. Um, I'll include that in the show notes. You could also learn more about the Diana R. Garland School of Social Work by following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, um, or checking out our website. And if you'd like to connect with me, you can find me at Holly Oxhandler on Twitter or on my website at hollyoxhandler.com. Kelsey, thank you again so much for joining me today. Um, is there anything else that you'd like to add before we wrap up? I think i'm good just i'm i'm
2: grateful for what this podcast is and the incredible work that each one of you guys is doing so thank you for entering into the space and having these really tough but good conversations thank you well
0: thank you so much for joining us today i hope you have a great rest of your day you as well thank you thanks for listening to the cxmh podcast